Welcome in to another episode of Behind the Plate, a podcast presented by Baseball America. I'm your host, Kyle Glazer. It's been a few weeks since we've been on. I was on vacation for a little bit, and then a lot of stuff coming up. It's a busy time of year for us here at BA, so I took a few weeks off, but we are back with a very special episode. We're pleased to be joined today by A's Mid-Atlantic Area Scout, Trip Falk. Trip was the signing scout for Zach Geloff, who is obviously off to a red-hot start to his major league career with the A's. Tripp comes from a pretty interesting baseball background. His dad, Paul Falk, is a very, very well-known scout. Uh, He's a scout for more than 30 years. He currently works for the Giants, uh, previously worked for the Nationals, the Reds, the Yankees, the Rays, the Royals, signed a lot of very prominent players, among them Pokey Reese. Uh, Funny enough, he was also the signing scout for uh, current Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder and current Royals manager Matt Quattraro, as well as current Royals GM JJ Piccolo. So uh, he had an eye for drafting players who turned out to be uh, pretty good coaches and GMs as well. Uh, But Tripp growing up with his dad would go out to his games, was holding the radar gun at a very young age and really learned what it took to be a scout really almost from birth. Uh, Tripp went on to have a college career, bounced around a few different places, finished out his career as a Division One player at Marshall, and in 2017 was hired by the A's to be the Mid-Atlantic Area Scout. And his first draft cycle, he saw Zach Geloff when Geloff was in high school in Delaware, uh, continued to follow him all throughout Geloff's career at Virginia, and was his signing scout when the A's drafted Geloff in the second round in 2021. Uh, Tripp was kind enough to join us today from his father's home in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to talk to us about his path as a scout, as well as the process of signing Zach. And with that, we are pleased now to be joined by Trip. Trip, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I have to ask, Zach Geloff, your first big leaguer, and obviously he's off to a great start, but independent of how he's doing, just getting that first big leaguer, I mean, how special of a feeling is that seeing, you know, your very first one go up and, and not only get there, but have the success he's having? Yeah, no doubt. It's been a, an amazing experience, um, you know, just coming up playing and following the game and then actually having a big leaguer, guy that you signed, guy that you got to see in high school. Uh, and then the production that he's he's already showing, um, it's been a really amazing experience and I'm really happy for him and his family. Absolutely. I want to dive into the process of scouting, Zach. As you mentioned, you had him in high school as well as college and just everything that went into scouting him, drafting him, signing him, and, and being there and watching his development. But I want to get into your background real quick. You have a really, really rich baseball history in your family. Your dad, Paul Falk, has been a scout for more than 30 years. Uh, he's currently a part-time scout with the Giants. Before that, he was a scout for 19 years with the Nationals. And on top of that, he's a very, very famous high school coach. Uh, he's a member of the North Carolina Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame, uh, high school Hall of Fame, I should say. Uh, he's really just been in the game his entire life. What was it like growing up for you in, in that environment as the son of a, of a coach and a scout? It's been a really cool experience. Um, you know, not many people get to, like you said, hang out with uh, the people that he gets to hang out with, be around the game like he gets to, like he has been in his entire career. Um, I've learned a lot from Dad. Maybe it's not from him telling me or teaching me. It's just kind of being around the game um, and just kind of, you know, understanding those unwritten rules or those, there's things that you may learn in the locker room, uh, being the bat boy, uh, hitting in the in the uh, the cages at at some of the minor league parks I, I've been able to experience and go to. Um, you know, he's he's definitely been the the leader for me in, in a lot of things, not just baseball, but in my life. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the person, the scout, the the player I was if it wasn't for him. So I really appreciate you know uh, him being around and when he was. Obviously, you know, scouting is a grueling. Um, job and you're not home much, but when he was home, you know, it was always good to 
good to see him and talk baseball with him when I got the chance. So how early was he taking you out to games to scout with him? Oh, man. Um, I was holding the radar gun probably at five, six, seven years old and then kind of really understanding what I was doing around 10, 11, 12. Um, you know, growing up in the Myrtle Beach area, he was working for the Braves at the time. and We would go to the Pelicans games, hang out in the locker rooms. I was hitting in the cage with the guys. Had no idea, you know, who Marcus Giles was back then. But, you know, now I look back on it, it was a really cool experience getting to hang out with those guys and, and be around the coaching staff. Um, and it's kind of, you know, molded me into the scout and the, uh, the baseball professional that I am today. Yeah. What were some of the biggest lessons you took away from those early years being around the game with your dad? Um, he's, it's, he was more of a, uh, 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 you know, swing hard, go up there like it's your last at bat. Um, and then, you know, type guy, kind of an old school type approach to the game. And then just getting a little bit from all the managers that I, I was around and the players that I was around, um, it's really just showing up every day and, and going at it, you know, um, because as as I older as older as I got, um, continued to get more, you know, more and more um, advanced lessons from older other scouts and other position players, pitchers, managers, um, trainers. It just it was a you know day in day out job, and that's basically what I've continued to learn over the process was uh, how grueling it was and just to give your all every single day. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned getting to hit in the batting cage with Marcus Giles. What are some of your other uh, favorite memories from your? Um, I remember hitting in the cage one time and dad had the machine going and it, they were working on two seams before I got in. And I don't think he, he knew that it two seemed right into my arm. So we had an incident <laughs> one time. Um, I'll never forget that. Um, but just kind of being around, not any Pacific specific guys, um, Giles was one, um, you know, Francoeur, Kelly Johnson, Adam Wainwright, that whole crew that was coming up in that heyday for the Braves. I know Brian Snicker was in there, um, was the manager at one point. Um, all those guys, it was just an amazing crowd to kind of be around. And I was 10 minutes from home at the same time. So that was really cool. Yeah, getting to go out to Myrtle Beach, seeing all those young guys come up. So you're seeing what it looks like at the pro level. But your dad was an amateur scout, primarily scouting amateurs. Uh, what were some of the trips he took you on? I mean, did you get to travel very far or did you mostly just kind of stay stay locally with him? Yeah, most, mostly stayed locally because um, I had baseball going on. Uh, I was playing travel ball probably from 10 on. Um, but uh, I would go to the East Coast Pro when it was in Wilmington. Um, any type of uh, pro coverage he had, whether that be in North Carolina, South Carolina, I would go with him. Um, mainly around the Carolinas. I mean, there's so much ball around the Carolinas. You know, I didn't really have to go far. Um, but yeah, he was a cross checker for the longest time. So I didn't get to travel with him, you know, from Puerto Rico on, but, uh, we would go on some vacations wherever he would be working. Um, I remember going to Puerto Rico over Thanksgiving one year. Um, so I have been out there. Um, but yeah, not too far, but I, I you know, far enough to where it was good experiences. Yeah. I mean, that's the true baseball life there. Your vacations are where the scouting trips are, you know, when you're not out at the field, you know, working, you know, with your dad, you're playing it. I mean, it seems like it really was baseball 24 seven in your household growing up. Yeah. It was kind of a, a life. It, it, baseball was life, you know, and I'll, I'll have some friends and, you know, I can't put it down, you know, it's just kind of what I've known and what I've been around my entire life. Um, you know, some people will say baseball is life. Well, it's kind of, it, it's had to be, it's had to been my life. It, it's been part of me since I was very young. So it's, it's been uh it's been a really cool experience. That's for sure. 
So obviously you said, you know, you yourself were a player, you're part of travel ball from 10 years old. You did eventually play college ball. We'll get into that. But having a dad as a scout, was that a positive or a negative? Was he, you know, is it too critical? Like what's that dynamic having a dad as a scout when you're, you know, a teenager learning to play the game? Most definitely. Um, I will say every time he came to one of my games, I struggled. I've just put so much pressure on myself. It got to the point where he would hide at my games um, and I would still find them because I would always be looking for them. Cause I know I would, I would know that he would lie to me or like, Hey dad, are you coming to my game? No. Um, and then I would look in the left field behind the foul pole and the trees. He'd be back there hiding. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of pressure that was put onto myself because I would know what he's looking for and I would want to be what he's looking for, whether if it's just him there or other scouts or coaches. Um, so it was kind of a curse and a blessing. Um, knowing what to do, knowing what I need to do, but at the same time, uh, putting a lot of pressure on myself to do that. And baseball is a hard sport. So, well, despite that pressure, you had a pretty good amateur career and you actually got drafted out of high school, 38th round by the Braves, you know, your dad's old organization. How much of that was your name and knowing, you know, your dad and that familiarity with the organization? Just how did that all come about? Yeah, I think they came and, uh, dad obviously threw my name out there. I'm sure back then there was 55 rounds, I believe. So, you know, I guess I could have, I had the opportunity to be taken back then. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, another scout came and watched me play later on in the playoffs. And Dad, you know, always says that it was him. I think he believed, I believe it was Terry Tripp was the one that came in, uh, that came and saw me. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of about, all, you know, who you know sometimes. And a lot of hard work was put into that. I know Roy Clark called me before the draft and, and talked to me as well about that whole process. And, asking if I was going to sign and all that good stuff. Um, Dead saying, no, he's not, you know, and I'm saying, yes, I am. So um, it was a fun process to be, you know, to be a part of. And, to, and now it kind of runs into my career now. And it's, you know, completely different back then, obviously. But um, now I have a full understanding on how it all works and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit of debate there, whether to sign or not. How close <laughs> were you to signing? Um, well, Deb was, you know, he's like, you don't need to be going down to the Gulf Coast League. You're 165 pounds soaking wet. Um, you know, he wanted me to get my education. And I look back on it now. And that was probably the best thing for me. Um, getting to know so many other teammates, um, learning from so many other coaches. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have the knowledge that I have now, and, and you know, if it weren't for me foregoing and going to college. Yeah, you were an outfielder. You mentioned you were 165 pounds. Give me the uh, the scouting report on high school draftee Trip Falk. It was a lot more athletic than I am now, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I put on you know about 40 pounds since then, but um, but yeah, I could run. I could I could play defense. Um, I, I found some power later on in my career, uh, later on towards my senior year. Um, but I kind of just ran with my athleticism. You know, that was kind of really what I had going for me. Uh, love to play defense, love to run it down. Andrew Jones was probably my favorite player growing up. Tried to, uh, you know, be like Andrew, if, you know, kind of got a little too much going there with the, the, you know, the crazy catches and the flipping it back in and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I uh, definitely, you know, wanted to be somebody who I wasn't. I didn't have all the, all the tools, um, struggled as I got uh, up there towards the, the higher, um, competition in the division one level but um you know I, I learned from a lot of guys and i uh, like i said i learned from a lot of different coaches and a lot of different um a lot of different people in the baseball world so it worked out for me in the end yeah you know your college career you bounced around a couple different places started at wingate went to uh, usc lancaster finished up at marshall 
How would you kind of describe your college career and what led to moving around so much? Yeah, I just I wanted to play at the highest level. That was kind of my my goal the whole time. You know, I I do look back and wish I would have stayed at Wingate um, probably for four years. Maybe would have had a you know all star or Hall of Fame type of career maybe. Um, but you know, I, I it led me to you know leaving there once my head coach left. I, I went JUCO route and played for Steve Williams at USC Lancaster and learned so much from Coach Williams. Talked to him still to this day almost weekly, um, and then ended up at Marshall and met so many different people from so many different paths of life at Marshall in West Virginia. Um, and I don't look back on that and regret that at all. It's, I still talk to coaches, teammates, you know, students that I met there. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it, the career didn't end and go as, as hopeful as I, I wanted it to, but, um, you know, I ended up, like I said, meeting all these different paths of life and, uh, and, you know, it's turned me into the man that I am today. Absolutely. You know, your playing career ends in college after uh, 2012 at Marshall. And at first you followed your dad's shoes as a coach before as a scout. Uh, so after your playing career, you went into coaching at, uh, at Carson Newman, a D2 college. Uh, what made you kind of go down that route? Obviously, you talk about your dad and, and he's a Hall of Fame high school baseball coach. Yeah, I just kind of stuck stuck with what I knew. Um, basically, that's what it was. Uh, baseball had been around me my whole life. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to to kind of go work hard for coach Griff in uh, in Carson Newman. And man, I learned a lot down there. Um, not just from a coaching aspect, but just as for a person and a man aspect as well. Um, spent a year there. Um, wish I could have stayed longer. Definitely enjoyed that experience. Um, and then ended up at uh, Patrick Henry community college um, as the recruiting coordinator, um, hitting coach for a couple years and then ended up getting the job with Oakland. But um, all those steps, you know, from playing up to coaching, it, it kind of led me to the Oakland interview and to get the job. So, um, yeah, actually, once I finished playing, I went back home to Myrtle Beach, coached the middle school team, went back to Wingate, finished my undergrad, and then Carson Newman. So it's been a journey, that's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned growing up around your dad, you know, getting the scouting life, and also, you know, seeing what he did as a coach, playing yourself. How much did that experience coaching at a bunch of different levels? Again, middle schoolers, you're talking about 12-year-old go back to you know juco and then also you know four-year college level and you really got to see the gamut of 12 to 22 year olds how much did that layer on to your baseball knowledge and understanding yeah for sure it's uh kind of off the field type stuff you know getting to know the guys obviously playing the game you you know i never had anticipated me coaching i kind of just wanted to get into scouting right away but that's just kind of that's that wasn't the you know that wasn't how it was going to go i, I kind of realized that once i finished college but um but yeah, just kind of get to know the guys, you know, being able to to communicate, being coachable as a player, learning, you know, who's coachable, who's not, why aren't they coachable, um, you know, just kind of what you do in your your you know after after you leave the field type life, um, off the field issues, how can we handle that, how can we help it, um, so that's kind of meshed into my scouting a little bit just by you know understanding the players' makeup, the kids these days, they're completely different, you know, than 2009 when I was a senior in high school. Um, the generations a little bit, um, you know, every generation's different, but it's kind of moved on. So just kind of understanding, you know, who they are as a person um, is definitely kind of meshed into, you know, scouting uh, today. 2017 comes around, you get an opportunity to interview for a job with the A's, Mid-Atlantic Area Scout, you get the job. First of all, how'd that kind of come about? And then what was the process of landing the job? Yeah, I just kind of reached out um, and sent a note to, uh, one of the executives, one of the, the 
scouting directors, assistant scouting director, Michael Holmes. Um, and just was like, you know, just taking a shot. And, you know, he gave me an opportunity to, to have an interview and I got a chance to fly off to Arizona. Um, I guess it went well. I'm really, was was quite nervous because this is something I've always wanted to do, you know. So it's kind of, you know, here you go, here's your shot. Um, and uh, was, you know, really blessed to be able to do that. And then uh, obviously, you know, Eric Kubota took a chance on me and I, and it, you know, means a lot to me. Um, and so now here we are. Um, yeah. So they hired you in 2017. Your first draft cycle was a 2018 draft cycle. Again, you didn't go in anywhere near blind. You knew exactly what the life was like growing up with your dad. But at the same time, I think it's one thing to, you know, kind of tag along and another to be doing it fully yourself. What were right. some of the things maybe you learned, especially that first year that opened your eyes or maybe you didn't fully appreciate until you were a full-time area scout yourself? Well, dad always used a map growing up, one of those big, <laughs> you know, $30 maps you can buy at a, at a rest stop or something. So I definitely threw that out the window because that's the first thing he gave me um i've just been using my phone <laughs> you know um but yeah the, the makeup has been a big thing for me i always remember him telling stories about kids who you know this is the best player i've ever seen but this that and the other um so that was a big thing for me to keep an eye out for um you know there wasn't anything there's not anything you can really tell anybody about scouting really because we're kind of taking a shot you know as it is um so he's he's kind of just it's kind of be me just, you know, being at the games, paying attention, um, being locked in. Um, and now I'm sure some other scouts will say, well, my dad's never locked in because he's always holding court and talking with people. And <laughs> but uh, I definitely know the difference between me and him. I haven't, you know, garnered up that 30 years of experience to be, you know, messing around with everybody during the games. But uh, but, yeah, it's just basically just being present and uh, just being just being there really is the main is the main recipe for success from me just kind of watching what he does you mentioned the big old paper map being the first thing he gave you <laughs> what was his reaction when, when you got the job i mean you know father son you became a full-time yeah. scout what was his reaction oh he was he was ecstatic for me i mean he uh you know i've always he knows that i've always wanted to you know work in baseball so uh be around the game at least and he's tried to help me as much as he can you know has been able to um so yeah he was ecstatic and he was looking forward to uh to scouting with me or against me. And then once I found out, you know, I was going to be in the mid Atlantic, I was a little bit at ease because I wouldn't have to, you know, run into him or bump into him all the time. So it's been good to have that father son, you know, scouting relationship though, because he'll see some of my guys, you know, and he'll love them and I may not like them as much as he does or vice versa. Um, so we've been able to, uh, to argue and converse about those type of things, but it's been, it's been a really cool experience. Yeah, it's actually interesting because you guys work for rival organizations. He's with the Giants, you're with the A's. How much do you guys talk to each other about players still? Because in some ways, it's almost like proprietary information in a way. Right. Yeah, no doubt. He doesn't see, he doesn't really leave the Carolinas. So unless some of my guys come into the area, um, but he hammers the Coastal Plains League and he'll see a ton of guys um, during the summer that may have been undergrad guys or, or uh, underclassmen. Um, that I hadn't seen yet. So he'll give me the heads up on some guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's me telling him about guys that are coming into his area or vice versa. Um, and we'll have some disagreements and he'll yell at me on the phone and all that good stuff. But, uh, but for the most part, it's, it's cool having that relationship, just like any other scouts that are friends, but it's a father son relationship. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, disagreements about players and how good they are. Sometimes they can get a little testy, a little heated. Have you and your dad had it out a few times. 
Oh, no doubt. We could have a TV show with him and, and my conversations with him. Um, it's definitely gotten interesting for sure. <laughs> what would you say is maybe the biggest difference in your guys' perspective? Is there something that, you know, he values that you value less, something like that? Um, I think it's just being up to date with the times and how many rounds there are, uh, the analytic aspects, the exit velocity, the spin rates. You know, I don't think he knows any of what any of that is. Um, so he's fairly old school, which I really appreciate because I'm fairly old school because he's old school. You know, that's kind of what I grew up around was just kind of by, by scouting from the eye and trusting your gut. Um, and that's kind of how I've I've scouted, but I've also been able to understand the new the new age and the new times of what we got going on. So, um, yeah, just just basically just kind of teaching him the new routes and the new ways of the of, you know, using your phone to go to games or, uh, you know, hey, here's Synergy. You can watch the game on your, on your computer or, hey, you don't have to print the schedules out. You know, they're on the computer. Um, just little things like that. It's funny to, to me and you, but for him, he likes to do it his way and to keep it old school. But I'm trying to teach him. So, <laughs> no, I, I get it. If you have something that's been working for you for 30 years, it's, you know, tough to change. And, and no realistically, there's no reason to, because if it works for him, it works for him. And, and I totally get that respect that obviously he's had a hell of a career. So your very first year as the A's Mid-Atlantic Area Scout, you've got, you know, the baseball hotbeds in a lot of ways, Virginia, Delaware is not typically a baseball hotbed, but in your first year as a scout, you have a high schooler out there who's intriguing named Zach Geloff. What did you see in Geloff in high school? He was a 38th round pick of the, of the Cleveland Indians at the time. So it wasn't like you drafted him out of high school, but he was someone right. you saw, someone who was on radars. He was a known prospect. What were what was your introduction to Zach Geloff as a high schooler? Yeah, well, I mean, they had an amazing team. Um, so they had a few guys that were going Division One um, that kind of popped out to you. So you were like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go watch them play at least once, you know. Um, and I think I went back a handful of times, maybe two or three times, but from Zach's perspective, it was just athletic ability and his size. I mean, he was playing shortstop, almost the same size he is today, and was super athletic. I mean, quick twitch, um, could really go get it. Um, the high socks, you know, could really run. Um, he just stood out like a sore thumb. Um, yeah, and I mean, he had an amazing team. I, I believe they won the States that year, um, and they went far, deep, super deep in the playoffs. Um, and they had a, they played a lot of games, so I kept kept going back. Um, obviously we, we didn't take him out of high school. Um, but you know, there was definitely some, uh, prospect status there to, to follow. Yeah. Out of high school, did you recommend drafting him right away or did you say, I really like him, but I want him to go to school first. I really liked him, but I definitely wanted him. Yeah. I thought he was more of a college guy at the time. Um, just kind of based off of what we do and, uh, you know, knowing the family and, and the, the money, the financial situation, it was probably best. I thought at the time that he would, you know, go on to UVA and become the guy he is today. Yeah. And fortunately for you, again, he's a guy you liked, a guy, you know, and he stays in your area, goes to UVA and, and has a really, really productive career there. Um, you know, right away as a freshman, I mean, he hit 313 and then you saw the power start to, you know, tick up a little more every year. 2020 was a shortened season, but mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of extra base hits that season. And 2021 came out, I mean, career highs and homers, doubles, you know, still hit for a high average. You really saw him continue to progress throughout his three-year career. Uh, again, obviously, you know, the 2019 draft, you know, you're not focused on him as much as the draft eligible guys, but how much were you keeping an eye on him and his progress just because you had that background from high school? Yeah. Oh, I mean, especially his fall uh, of his freshman year. I mean, I was there 
quite often. I mean, it's an hour away from my house. I see UVA probably more than any team. So I was able to see him play at a consistent basis on a consistent level, you know, year in, year out, fall, spring, fall, spring. Um, and he just continued to, you know, be the guy who I thought he was going to be, who he was, you know, um, you know, continue to get stronger, continue to kind of show some power more and more with more even in there, um, continue to show he could hit at a high level. Uh, his defense continued to get better. Um, everything progressed, you know, from that high school, kind of that, you know, that raw athlete into that, you know, full five tool player that I, you know, that we drafted. Yeah, absolutely. When would you say the transformation occurred in terms of, hey, this is a guy I'm interested in and think he could be really good too. This is a guy I want for our organization. Just kind of, like I said, kind of just molding into that five tool guy that we knew that was there all along, you know, um, it, it kind of, he kind of flipped the switch, I think going into that, that freshman spring and then going into his fall, uh, sophomore year of his fall. Um, it just, uh, he just became to get, he just got, he kind of grew into his body a little bit, um, became more of a, a full strength based athlete um, and started showing some more power. Um, his defense became more elite at the third base uh, position, um, you know, and still was able to run uh, throughout all this, you know, the, maybe the mass gain, the strength gain, um, and just became more of that five-tool guy. I know I keep saying the five-tool, but that's just kind of what he molded into over time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kept tracking him throughout his career. And, you know, it's interesting with a lot of the guys who were taken in 2021 because you don't have a Cape Cod League to fall back on. You don't have a Team USA to fall back on. All that was canceled due to COVID typically he's the type of guy who would have been on those teams and that would have, you know, raised his draft stock. You would have had more confidence about him being with wood, like all the things that can help solidify your confidence level. How much did just your background and your knowledge of him help you have that conviction level, even though you didn't get, you know, how much did that make up for the fact that he didn't have a Cape, he didn't have a team USA. Right. Um, I was lucky enough to see him play in the coastal plains league a little bit during that COVID um, summer. That was that weird COVID summer. Um, he wasn't invited to Team USA, like you said, which I was kind of happy, you know, because he kind of stayed under the radar for somebody like me who knew who he was, got to see him in high school, got to see him his fall um, of his freshman year, got to see him his fall of his sophomore year, um, you know, had these, you know, had this stuff to go off of. And then he didn't make the big name teams, um, you know, as a scout, you're kind of like, OK, here's kind of a hideout guy. But then you're like, oh, never mind. He's plays in the ACC. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it he he definitely, you know, you look back on he should have definitely been invited to all that stuff. But you know, it worked out in the end for him and for us as well. And um, yeah, I just kind of used all that, all those games, all those you know practices, all those workouts, you know, up to that point to kind of you know follow him and and to remember you know Zach Geloff and to continue to for him to pro continue to progress in my head. So 2021 comes around, his draft year, he's a guy you know you like, you have history with him, you know you want him. What was the process like of bringing in superiors to get a look at him and and kind of how did that process evolve over the course of the year? Yeah, that was fairly easy process in my opinion because our guys liked him. You know, that helps it helps the area scout out when you're, you know, your coworkers, you know, like your guy. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what helped us progress to get to take him at that at that pick that we had, we, that we got him at, um, you know, yeah, I mean, our, 
he plays in those those early. I believe he he started off. I want to say in a big uh, preseason tournament his draft year, um, and our guys got to take a look at him there. Um, and then obviously he plays in the ACC um, ACC tournament. All these big name schools that he plays against. Um, so yeah, I mean our guys got to see him quite a bit. You know, got to see him multiple times, write multiple reports on him, and uh, you know that's. With that high of a pick, you know, it's not all me. It's definitely uh, my higher ups that are agreeing with me or that are overseeing me and saying, oh, Trip, he's better than where you got him. So that even helps the case. Uh, but, yeah, he was one of those that got seen a lot. And our guys just, you know, our guys loved him as well. You mentioned that some people thought he was even better than you had him. I have to ask, how did you have him after that junior year? What did you put on him? I had him right where we took him. So, yeah, and then some guys had him a little bit higher for us. Um, and which helped the case, which averaged it out the, you know, the OFP, so you say, and um, had them a little bit better than where we took them. So, yeah, I think it all it all was planned, though, right? Yeah. What what role did you have on him? Was it an everyday player? Do you think he yeah. up the above average? What did you see? Yeah, had him right there as an everyday uh, big leaguer with some with some upside potential. Uh, definitely like the power to 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 kind of get where it's at today. Um, so some people say it's kind of a surprise, but I thought once he got out of UVA, you know, his power would continue to progress. And I actually had a conversation with Zach about that and he thought that as well. So once he agreed with me, I was like, okay, maybe I am a, a semi good scout. So, um, so yeah, everything is, is kind of, I don't want to say it's gone to plan, but it's definitely, you know, it's, it looks like it on paper a little bit. So you mentioned that that power dynamic. It's interesting because a lot of times you see, okay, you're going from swing and metal to swing and wood. You're moving out of college ballparks into pro ballparks, especially some of the ACC parks. You know, it depends on the park, but some can play smaller than others. What made you think that there was more power in there? Because a lot of times it, it's kind of tricky to assess whether there's more, if it's going to step backward with a wood bat. Right. I just thought his, you know, he wasn't able to really let his hips fly a little bit. Um, and really pull on that ball a little bit more than he may be, he be doing, he might be doing at, at the time. Um, he had a lot of backside, stayed backside middle very well, and just rarely was really able to just really let the hips fly. Like I said, it just kind of turn on balls. Um, and I actually had a discussion with him when I, I went up to his house after we drafted him just to kind of chat with him and we're going over some film. And he was like, yeah, take a look at this one. This is when I let my hips fly, which I rarely do. Um, so that helped the case and, in, in kind of my power scouting, if you will. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just always thought that he was going to, you know, kind of progress with the strength as well. Um, and let the body get a little bit tighter, um, which he's done as well. I mean, he works extremely hard and, uh, he knows his potential. He always has something that he's working towards. So, which helped the case, his makeup has a lot to do with where he's at now, especially, uh, his power and his bat. Yeah, you talk about the makeup assessment and how critical that is. And it's one of the things you took from your dad, getting to know him in high school and, and knowing him and knowing the family there. And then also getting that, that continuing that relationship in college. I mean, how, how much did that help you feel good about your makeup assessment? Yeah. I mean, just kind of getting to know Zach as a player and watching him. I think a lot of the makeup you can establish by just watching the player play on the field. Um, and then once you have your, you know, your fall or winter meeting with the player that kind of solidifies what you may have already thought or maybe, you know, may have given you some extra tidbits that you may have not already known. Um, but, yeah, just kind of knowing his background, knowing his athletic background. Um, Zach played soccer in high school. I believe his dad told me that he 
set the high school career goals as a midfielder um, his senior junior year, which I don't think a lot of people know that just kind of speaks for his athleticism. Um, but yeah, just kind of get to know Zach's mannerisms. I mean, he's just always locked in, locked in all the time, um, always setting goals, big time goal setter. We'll write down his goals, what he wants to do this year, what he wants to achieve um, in the upcoming season. Um, just kind of knowing that about him just kind of took him over the top for me. Um, and he's just continued to be that same guy, um, which has really helped his process. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you've scouted him really throughout, you know, most of his amateur career, you know, senior year of high school, all three years at Virginia. Draft day comes around. And like I said, you have him as a second round type. You never know if you're going to get a guy at that point. It's not like this is a, a top two, three, four, five pick where you feel fairly confident you're going to get, you know, a guy or one guy. There's a lot of teams ahead of him that could potentially take him. You see him move down the board, move down the board. As you move into the second round, you guys are picking at pick 60. How nervous were you? I mean, what was that that process like? You know, were you just praying and hoping he'd get to you? What, what was that dynamic? I get so much anxiety in the draft room. That's for sure. That's <laughs> one thing. As a player growing up around the game, you care so much, especially about this career growing up around it. Yeah. Um, and as an area scout, we come in later after our cross checkers and our higher ups. So, I get to walk in and see who's on the big board. And I, you know, I, 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 for whatever reason, I remember not being able to to see the big board and I look in, I'm, I'm looking for his name. And I asked my cross checker, I'm like, where's Gellop? He's like, he's on the big board. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Um, you know, so that was a, that was a great uh, experience that year. Um, I had him number one on my list. I had him over. Um, I want to say every, I can't remember any specific names off the top of my head, but he was number one. Um, so I always tell people, you know, getting your number one on your list, especially in the second round is kind of unheard of. Um, so it was kind of a, a big time learning experience for me. Um, you know, uh, a heck of a, uh, I guess, you know, some luck involved, um, you know, had a bunch of my coworkers that agreed with me or, you know, kind of saw him a little bit better than where I saw him, which helped the case. Um, and then Zach just kind of, you know, holding in there and hanging out tight and, and just waiting for his name to be called. And then, um, you know, he had a lot to do with the process as well. So it all kind of meshed together and worked out well. Yeah, it makes it easy. This wasn't a guy you had to pound the table for and, and change hearts and minds. It seemed like it was pretty straightforward. Everyone was on board. Yes, yes, most definitely. And, you know, we did bring his name up and it's kind of, you know, our inner circle kind of talks about him and I'm in the outer circle. And of course I want to scream, yes, 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 you know, but uh, luckily I didn't have to do that. And it was uh, you know, it was all taken care of. Uh, did, did you speak up in the draft room at all? Or were you just an observer? I speak when they're, when I'm told to speak, that's when yes. I speak. <laughs> so did, did anyone turn and ask you a question about Zach or during that? Oh, they always, yeah. They always ask about makeup, you know, um, you know, maybe about his power potential. Why did I see that? Because I think he only had nine home runs. You know, that was something that I, I think we all believed in that a little bit though. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember a few questions being asked, but for the most part, we, we kind of were all in agreement at that time. So that's, that's what kind of really stands out and, you know, speaks volumes for our scouting department is, you know, this was kind of a mutual agreement type pick, um, which I don't think is all, you know, always the case for, you know, a lot of scouting departments. Yeah, that's certainly, certainly true. You guys make the pick when they, you know, finally submitted it and Zach Geloff was officially a member of the Oakland A's organization. What was your emotion? I, uh, I always get, you know, really red. <laughs> I get really red and I get really anxious and nervous as if I just got picked. 
but I, uh, you know, everybody claps and shakes my hand and then I go out and I call them and I'll never forget the call. Um, you know, usually when I call these guys, a lot of guys, even in, um, you know, second, third, fourth rounders, you'll hear, you know, screaming in the background, the parents or, you know, the friends, the girlfriend, it was completely quiet. And Zach goes, you just made the best decision of your entire life. I'm going to make you look like God. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he said, I'm going to be in the big leagues a long time. So and he, he hasn't let me down yet. And I definitely believe I believe those statements. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of a nerve wracking experience for me. But he seemed to be way above head head over heels, you know, just kind of all about it and just kind of ready to go. More, you know, I, I had way more anxiety than he did. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty big promise he made to you that night. But uh, he certainly has, has lived up to it in a lot of ways. You know, came out in that draft year 2021. Uh, finished here at Stockton, and I didn't get a chance to see him out here that year just with the way the schedule line. Stockton didn't come down here, but I remember people were talking about him, like right off the bat, like, hey, this guy, the A's just drafted. This guy can really, really hit. This guy's something. And he really showed it next year, went out to Midland, double-A, hit well there, finished the year in triple-A, um, went back out to triple-A this year, continued to hit well. As you were watching him kind of ascend the minors fairly rapidly, um, how much did you keep in touch with him and how much developed the way you thought it would versus maybe developed differently? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, with all the guys I draft, I kind of let them go. Um, and as you know, for pitchers, their first couple outings, I'll text them like, hey, you know, great job. Or, you know, this is what I, the report may say, you know, keep doing your thing. Um, but for him, I just kind of let him ride. He's he's locked in and I don't want to bother him. That's I was a player. I, you know, I had. You know, I wasn't very, you know, uh, stitches. I was a little stitches, but um, I definitely didn't want to bother him um, to the extent of, you know, hey, good job after every game because he was getting a hit in every game. So um, <laughs> I definitely reached out over the holidays and, you know, important dates maybe. But, um, but yeah, I just kind of let him do his thing and would tell him at the end of the year, you know, like hell of a job, man, and, you know, keep it going. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see you at the next level because, I mean, he got to triple A in the, in his first, you know, minor league season. So, I mean, what else can you say to him? I kept up with his dad, me and his dad keep in touch um, quite often and quite a bit. And uh, he's sending me pictures of him in Las Vegas and all that good stuff. So it's been a, it's been a really cool experience. And Zach's an amazing person. Um, and, you know, he always shoots a text back or he's always asked questions about the draft. Um, he's just so baseball oriented and just locked in all the time. Yeah, no, it's you mentioned that when he got up to AAA a little bit there at the end of the year, he went seven for 12. I mean, right out of college his first year and just showed some of the ability he had right off the bat. So you mentioned, you know, again, you're, you're following him, you're seeing things develop properly, you know, you're keeping in touch a little bit, but for the most part, letting him do his thing. July rolls around this year, the A's call up Geloff for his major league debut. That made him your first big leaguer that you had signed. What was news of the call-up like for you? And, and did you go out to the game? I mean, what was sort of the, the reaction there? I just got back um, from the draft. I just landed in Richmond, and my phone's going crazy. And I'm like, what now? And I hadn't been home in, you know, probably almost two weeks. Need to wash all my clothes. I just got a 10th rounder. I'm going to drive to his house the next day, about five hours from my house to go sign him. And, uh, you know, I'm freaking out. I text Zach. You know, he hits, he hits me back immediately. I text his dad. His dad's going crazy. Um, and, you know, it's you feel like part of the process. You almost feel like you're getting caught up, you know. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I knew a long time ago playing in college, you know, hey, I don't have what it takes. So this is kind of what I want to do. Um, so this has kind of been a dream come true for me as well. 
um, to get my first one. You know, my dad's got a million. He's got every one of them, you know, autographed in the house with a picture or a baseball. So I finally have one to kind of, you know, to kind of go against him with some competition. But um, but yeah, the process was was really cool. I got to fly out there the next day after I signed my uh, my guy I got in the draft at, uh, in the 10th round. Um, got to hang out with Zach for a little bit, talk to him, see the family before the game. Uh, sat there, watched him get his first hit. Uh, yeah, so it was an amazing experience. Uh, we'll always remember that day for sure. So you were in the stadium when he got his first hit? I was there, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, after, so it's, you know, against the Twins, bottom of the third inning, Kentamaya on the mound, Geloff comes up, hits an RBI double, his first major league hit. What did you do? Did you jump up? Did you scream? Oh, like it was... I, I texted our guy, our, one of our analytic guys that's up in the up in the booth to, to replay, 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 because I thought it went out. Um, it hit the top of the wall. I still don't know how it didn't go out. Um, but, yeah, I'm sitting by myself in a crowd of just, you know, fans, and I'm sure nobody knew who, you know, I'm the guy that signs, you know, Zach Geloff, and I'm screaming and yelling, hands are going everywhere. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Just so happy for him and his family. I definitely know how hard he's worked. Um, and, yeah, it was an amazing experience to be there. I appreciate the A's flying me out there and let me be a part of the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And he's really never stopped hitting. Um, he's been one of the most productive rookies in the American League this year, which is kind of amazing. He's played only 47 games, but he's already up to 10 homers. You talk about the power that you saw coming. He's, you know, got 10 stolen bases as well. You talk about that athleticism. I mean, 15 doubles already. So we're seeing extra base power. We're seeing speed. He's playing the middle of the diamond. I mean, is, is this the kind of player you thought he could be, or has he even exceeded your expectations? Well, right now he's definitely exceeded, exceeded all of our expectations a little bit. It's been an exciting time to, to kind of watch him every single game. Um, definitely didn't think he was going to start off this hot. Was was hoping he would, um, but, you know, hoping – and doing are two different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just, this is just kind of, like I said, uh, over and over, this just shows his makeup and who he is and how locked in he is. You know, when he says he's going to do something, he's definitely going to do it. Um, and he has legitimate, you know, goals that he can reach and that he knows that he can reach. And I think that's what keeps him going. Um, but yeah, I can think the sky's the limit for him. I can't wait to see him in a full season next year. Absolutely. We're well, we're all very, very excited to see what Zach continues to do. And Trip, congratulations on your first big leaguer and a, a heck of a good player at that. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Once again, that was A's Mid-Atlantic Area Scout Trip Falk. Uh, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff there. Again, the stories growing up uh, as the son of a scout, um, you know, going to the games at Myrtle Beach as a kid. And, and also, you know, his dad, we talked about a little bit on the podcast, in addition to being a very, very highly regarded scout was also a, a very, very prominent high school coach in North Carolina. Uh, he's a member of the North Carolina baseball coaches hall of fame. And uh, again, just a, a very, very rich baseball background and trip is continuing on the Falk family legacy of uh, coaching and scouting excellence in the game. We hope you enjoyed this edition of behind the plate presented by baseball America. Go ahead and give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We'd love to hear from you. For Trip Falk, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.